Welcome, everyone, to the REST podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. Carol, words fail me. Only God can set up these encounters, and I'm so thankful to have you join me today. Thank you, Virginia. I think encounter is a really good word for our relationship. (laughs) Yes, it is. Today, I am joined by a long, long time friend, Carol Holliday, author of I Don't Know Who I Am Anymore, Restoring Your Identity Shattered by Grief and Loss. Mm. It takes my breath away. Because as we were just saying, I was there. You were. For that pilgrimage. What an incredible thing. Right. As a matter of fact, this is why I'm sitting here. Because uh, as you know, I sent you an email earlier this week about your program. And while I know it has morphed into a lot more through the years than perhaps I even can grasp, I had to say, I've known Virginia for 30 years. It's amazing. And her ideas of how confusion and chaos need to be quelled by rest. She was doing in my life, just as a friend, it didn't have that brand, it didn't have that wrapping, it didn't have that label. But I needed the people who you're working with now to understand that you've always been that person. You were that person in my life when chaos and confusion was my middle name. Well, 30 years into our friendship Mm. and everything that life dishes out, Carol, I can't tell you what that email meant to me. I cried. Because... These are endeavors of a lifetime, and I feel like I, too, have taken such a beating Mm. in the process Mm -hmm. of birthing rest that to have somebody like you, and people are going to have context for who you are and what you do and the things you've accomplished and seen in life, but I can't tell you what those words meant to Mm me. Rest, relational, emotional, spiritual truth, really is the reason we invite people into that place of rest is so they can plant seeds that will last a lifetime. And that's exactly what you and I have accomplished in the course of over 30 years. Absolutely. You were planting those seeds. Now, I didn't know it, and I didn't know how they would manifest. I didn't know if they would grow at all. But you would sit in my darkest days, Virginia. As a matter Mm. of fact, I... One of the reasons I wanted to talk about the book is because you are listed in that book as one of my friends with Stretcher. It's based on the story about the friends who cut the hole in the roof and laid the paralytic at the feet of Jesus, and how he, in that narrative rather, talked about rewarding the the faith of the friends, not the faith of the one who needed healing. And certainly I was Uh that person. I needed healing. I had no faith. I had no faith that those seeds that you were planting back then could produce anything. But it was your faith that rewarded me. Anyway, the funny story I tell in there about Virginia is that we went to a Thai restaurant one night. Do you remember that? Oh my gosh. You're not going to tell that We met up over food, always over food with you, Virginia, always over food. We love Thai food. So we sequestered ourselves in a booth in this little Thai restaurant. I think I cried straight for five hours. Literally, we closed the place. And then we promptly (laughs) left without paying. (laughs) Do you remember that? Unfortunately, yes. I thought it was my road to perdition. But, But she redeemed it because I think you went back and paid, I don't know. 
months later. Mo- months later. No, it was months later. They, I went and paid. Oh my gosh. Well, they were probably afraid to approach me because they didn't know how, I mean, it was obvious that I was in distress, but I tell that story in the book as Virginia is one of those friends with a stretcher. And uh, you were that person who said, you don't have any faith, but I do. And you can borrow some of mine just by your actions, Virginia. Wow. So. Here we, here we sit season. with this crazy story now, this narrative that I've been able to tell. You are one of the most unique people I've ever met. You have so much integrity and character and substance. And I remember that night, because we were literally there almost six hours, I might add. <laughs> and we walked out of there. I think they were just so happy to see us leave. <laughs> Well, probably more than a few people have said that with us, Virginia. But I don't even know how many days it took me to realize we didn't pay. No, I took I took the bill with me. Do you remember? <laughs> it was in all my books, my Bible, my notebook, things I was taking notes. That's right. It was wrapped into all my stuff. God bless those people. Anyway, Carol, it is a testimony to the kind of friendship we've had and the kind of conversations mm. we've really challenged ourselves Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and each other to show up for. Absolutely. Uh, For those of you who've not sat down with Virginia, I tell you, she's not like the surfacey person you're going to sit down and she's going to talk about your favorite color or your astrological sign or anything like crazy she immediately gets in and starts talking about is there chaos and confusion in your life and immediately gets into it in a very loving way but I love that about you Virginia I love that you don't have time for the superficial and so our conversations have always been deep and challenging and I think that's really the definition of a dear sister is someone to say Mm, yeah, you're here, but I think there's so much more. And in those days where I was so incapable of imagining that there was any life beyond the losses that I was experiencing, you would say, you would point out those things about me. You'd say, I know you're strong and I know you can get beyond this. And I know God has purpose for you beyond the loss that you're feeling now. Yeah. The beauty and the ashes, the purpose and the pain always. Give our listening audience a little bit of context for who you are, your life what this pilgrimage looks like, because I think so many will identify. Right. You know, I think that we have a habit of of imagining our life in a certain way and thinking that our lives are predictable when in fact they're not. And when things don't go as planned and there's a multiple succession of losses, in my case, it was a very abrupt separation from after a very long marriage of 35 years. It was a very contentious divorce that followed that. It was a job loss that led to financial collapse for me and a personal bankruptcy, which was so ridden with riddled with shame for me. Uh, and out of character. Oh my gosh, my dad was was the ran the budget for the city of Los Angeles. Now, (laughs) this is someone who never paid a bill late in his life. And I have great memories of my dad being very responsible and sitting down and paying all the bills. And that's how I was raised. That was the context of my life. So to have to face that was so shame filled. That alone would have probably tanked me. So along with that came personal cardiac complications that led to a couple surgeries. As a matter of fact, I have one in three weeks from now, so it's a continuing issue for me. And then the the cancer death of my very closest confidant that you knew well, Sarah. 
and caring for her. Yeah, caring for her in the hospital bed in Little House on Wilson Street. That was a lot. It came in rapid succession, as I said, what some uh, psychologists refer to as multiple hits. And the trauma that came along with that left me thinking to myself, "I I don't know who I am anymore. My identity had walked out the door along with my husband and your husband, your health, everything, my house, everything was gone. And I had to then go back to square one and say, well, where do I base my identity? Why is it that I can't envision a life after these things are gone? So, uh, you know, grief and trauma, we tend to think of as maybe losing someone by death. And certainly that does qualify, but there's all kinds of traumas that can happen to us that produce grief and produce this process that we have to find our way out of. The very first page of my book, it just says first thoughts, and I want it to be something where if someone picked up the book and turned to that page, they could see very quickly what the book was about. And it says, this is a story about grief and the journey out of it. And that grief, like I say, can be separation by death, but it can also be loss and disappointment and heartache. And in my case, there was tremendous heartbreak over the loss of my relationship with a man that was the only man I had really ever known since I was 14. That was a huge, <clears throat> a huge trauma in my life. And then we go on into the very first chapter and the opening line is, hello, tears, don't you have someplace else to go? Because mm. not unlike in that Thai restaurant, I think I cried for five years straight. And I wondered, first of all, where are all these tears coming from? How, how could this be that my body could produce this reservoir from this dry part soul? And second of all, is there hope beyond this loss? Is there a new narrative that I can write? Because the story that I have written up to this point that I thought was, again, very predictable, turned out not to be so. What an incredible, incredible, incredible summary of what I witnessed for 30 years. <laughs> it's nice to have behind me, but even now, Virginia, it's crazy. I, I thought about this the other day. I'm facing some real uncertain medical issues. I'm facing, again, some financial bends in the road that I didn't anticipate and some health challenges and some housing challenges. But I thought, you know, I'm sad about some of it, but I, I don't feel the same sense of devastation and loss that we can still face trauma. We can still face difficult things and we can face it with hope because of what we've learned through all of this. And and you were there, like I say, you were there at the beginning, way before the villa, way before the writing, way before the book that you have planned, way before all of these journals that I see here sitting on the table where you have your remarkable writings and academic musings, way before all of that, you were exhibiting that on a personal level, person to person. And I think sometimes we think we have to have some big platform or, hey, I don't have a villa, how can I help? <laughs> you know, you can help in a Thai restaurant, in a corner booth, maybe not running out without paying, but, but you know, you yeah. can sit and you can be that person who says, you don't have any faith. It's okay. You can borrow some of mine. Wow. I never tire of hearing you recap chunks of time mm-hmm. in our brief, brief mm-hmm. gatherings. We haven't talked to each other in years, right? but it's like a day hasn't passed But something that struck me last week when we spoke and something that just warms my heart right now is the reality that life from 
our early stages is a series of attachments. Mm, absolutely. To things, people, absolutely. relationships, I, right, image, I didn't, mm-hmm. so many things. It's just a series of attachments. And the older we get, and I think the beginning of wisdom is the process through which we detach from those same things mm-hmm. and learn to attach to this intimate personal all-knowing god that has fine-tuned the universe to sustain not just our relational emotional and spiritual lives but the essence of who we are as individuals absolutely absolutely and when i hear you speak it just really it warms my heart in spite of our weathered skin (laughs) It's yes, true. Yes. Our weather skinned and some of the wrinkles that begin to emerge. And I, I don't know, I've grown to realize there's so much beauty in it all because it marks the passage of time. Mm-hmm. And with that passage of time comes a great deal of freedom. I think if we step into rest and you and I have done that, we've stepped into deep, deep, deep relationship with each other, discussing emotional things, mm-hmm. never never confusing them with the life of our heart, our feelings, right? The functions of the soul and and then spiritual things we've had to navigate through through really complex things. There's a lot of things that we saw emerge in the church, for example, mm-hmm. and in institutions of faith that we didn't have peace about and others that we bought into hook, line, and sinker. But then we saw the healing and we just saw the complexities of life play out even in that institution, right? But I think how it's all been so enriching. We have a tendency sometimes to think about ourselves and other people with such harsh judgment. And I think there's something beautiful that emerges out of the mess. Oh, I agree. Well, one of the things I like to talk about in the book is that grief, I think, can go one of two ways. If you could Grief and loss can produce certainly bitterness and anger and resentment, but it can also, if we process it properly and in the right context, it can make you really look at the world differently and see people's hurts and be, I always say about myself, it it sanded down my critical edges. Mm -hmm. And when you talked about attachments, I say that grief steals, it steals dreams and it steals plans, but it also reveals, grief can reveal, and it reveals our attachments and so grief gives you an opportunity to review your attachments. Some, some are good and some are like, why, why do I find that my identity is tied to that? And now that it's gone, my identity has gone with it. It gives you a chance to reflect. And I think in the sadness that comes along with it is a great chance to remake yourself. And that's what I chose to do. And the other part we should probably talk about is my daughter, because Kendall worked for you for a while. She's amazing. Years ago. Caleb wanted to marry her. How many years difference? (laughs) She was his first love. Yeah. So Kendall was 28 and Caleb was, I don't know, 14. Yeah. Let's get some some (laughs) context on that. Darling guy. I wish that would have worked out. Yeah. But Kendall loved Virginia and was so glad that I had connected to you in in those dark days. But she was also the one who decided I should join this book writing thing. So that was something she had texted me and said, Mom, you need to join uh, Lisa Turkhurst, who's a Christian writer, a wise woman. She was hosting a writing competition 
and it was going to be a six or eight week training with her and her agent. And then everyone submitted, you know, the hundreds of people that were part of it submitted manuscripts, and then they would figure out if someone could actually write and offer them a contract. So Kendall had texted me like five times and I kept saying, yeah, sure. And I just completely ignored her until I realized (laughs) that she really meant business. And she said, mom, I think you must have at least five or six books in there like what your daughters would undoubtedly tell you, Virginia, except yours would be like 10 or 15 books in there. (laughs) So I said, okay. And I had the five minutes before the competition, you know, enrollment closed, I sent something in. And when they emailed back that I had, my writing had been accepted, I thought, well, they just needed an old person. They needed an outlier to say that they were fairly, you know, including all people's. But Kendall felt like the Holy Spirit had told her, mom's got a book and she needs to write it. Sure enough, so I went through this process. So I always say it's Kendall who is responsible for this whole mess or this whole good thing, however it turns out. But so she's been weaving in and out of our lives still, Virginia. So much. And hearing you tell the story, first time I heard it, by the way, in such detail, but we raise our children and then they raise us. Oh my gosh. Oh always, my gosh. We raise them and then they pour everything into us. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. No question about it. During the really hard periods, I I questioned, you know, and I, the funny thing is I'm sitting here and, and just by happenstance, I guess, Virginia had two books on the table, one by Henri Noen, who is um, Life of the Beloved, a really well-respected theologian, former professor. And uh, it was this book, Life of the Beloved, that my son-in-law, Tommy, Kendall's husband, talking about kids raising us. The day after my husband walked out the door, I was like enrobed in like, I don't know, blankets and rolled myself into a cocoon and closed the blinds. And outside of my bedroom door, when I got up and went out the door, I almost tripped over a book, the same one on Reno N, Life of the Beloved. No, because Tommy knew I was hiding. And And I have like hundreds of thousands of books in oh, here yeah, thousands. hundreds and on my desk right sitting, now this was sitting right next to the chair when i came in and so one of the chapters is about tommy how he had done this for me and it's called stand in your pain and if you you know his whole premise is the following the first step to healing is not a step away from the pain but a step toward it so i would say stand in your pain i I don't mean to revel in it or become ecstatic by the fact that you have pain, but just don't sidestep it. So that's the first book that's sitting here. And the second one is a book, Deep Wounds, Deep Healing, which is a book that I probably took more notes in than any other book. ever any other book. That's the second book that's sitting on either side of the place where, she, where Virginia put me. And I don't know if you remember this, but you called me out of the blue one night. I, I think it was like five o'clock and you said, hey, come on, I'm, I'm going to go see this guy. You wrote this book, Deep Wounds, Deep Healing, and he's speaking not too far from you. And I'm going to pick you up or I'm going to meet you there. And that was one of our encounters again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember that night. I and I sat there. I, I think I stumbled up to the desk and I bought a book and I said, hi, Virginia sent me or something. You know, I just could hardly even talk. And so those are the two books that are sitting right here. And again, I think, first of all, Tommy raising us, my son-in-law, like one of my own, providing, you know, like 
the deep wounds from a friend as opposed to kisses from an enemy. As I always think about that, like Tommy cared about me so much that he wanted me to get introspective. He wanted me to have an encounter with the living God that could change me and could prove to me that my life had purpose beyond the loss. And so, I mean, that's there. And then this other book that I had read and read and read and outlined and outlined and learned about the spiritual battle that was going on really for my life. I just had tea with Dr. Charles Kraft. I know. I'm so jealous. I guess I'm not supposed to be jealous. No, no, it's okay. It's envy that's the problem, right? Okay. Do you know what a giant? Well, um, I don't know if my brain could anywhere be on the same wavelength as him, but he certainly wrote things that got me to to ask. And I think curiosity, I think our intellect, I think our musings, I think our laments, all of those things are God-driven. And we can't just accept things for way, the way they are. We can't just accept societies. For instance, you and I, we're, we're collateral damage at our age. We yeah. shouldn't even be having a thought, let alone trying to influence other people through books at our age. Are you kidding me? Uh, the rest program, what you provide here at the villa, meeting people's needs on an emotional and spiritual and physical intellectual level. Virginia, you're supposed to be out to pasture. And, and until I die. Yeah, exactly. So here we are sort of bucking the trends. We're not accepting what culture has told us. We've, we've not read that billboard. No, we're not, nor do I intend to, which is a perfect segue into the next section. If you could stay with me, I can't, I just can't get enough. I'm, I'm being held hostage here this, by yeah. muffins <laughs> and the promise of tea. <laughs> That's right. Yes, you are. Thank you so much, Carol. What a great note to finish this section on. If you'd like to get in touch with Carol, you can connect with her through her website, carolholiday.com. That's C-A-R-O-L-E holiday.com. Keep an eye out for her book, I Don't Know Who I Am Anymore, Restoring Your Identity Shattered by Grief and Loss, as it will be officially released on September 19th of this year. Feel free to go to Amazon to read the summary and pre-order. For updates about Rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week.